Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for Life Over Coffee. I'm very glad that you are here. If you haven't made it to our coffee shop, please uh, go to lifeovercoffee.com. Uh, it's a free coffee shop, and so you can come into our sanctification center, and you can take advantage of all of our resources, and we would love to serve you just that way. I had a lady write in, and she wanted me to talk about the differences between character issues and capacity issues, the differences between who we are as far as our soul is concerned and the things that we do, the behaviors that we manifest or exhibit. And I thought the question was so important that I I did want to work it out uh, into an episode. And I want to talk about it from different angles, because when we are uh, analyzing ourselves, assessing ourselves, we want to understand who we are internally at the level of our souls, and then why we do the things that we do, And but also as we interact with others, parents as they're trying to understand their children. If you have more than one child, you know that they are different, and there is a reason for those differences. They are, they are different on the inside, and that's going to make them different on the outside. If you're doing the work of biblical counseling, you absolutely want to have this kind of insight into this individual because we don't want to map our experience over them, expecting them to be like us. Of course, parents, we shouldn't do that with our children either because they are unique. And part of understanding the uniqueness of the individual is understanding their their soul condition and then the behaviors that they exhibit. So those two things do not stand uh, in an antithetical way as though one does not influence the other, but they stand in a unified way. But I want to pull them apart just briefly and look at the soul container and then look at the behavioral container and then I want to talk about the interplay and so I'm going to read to you the question that she wrote and then I want to get inside of it and start teasing out uh, this idea of the soul and the behavior uh, the soul and the body now this is episode 434 and I've titled it people with different character and capacity issues. And so I'm using the word character to talk about the internals of an individual, their soul container. And then I'm using the word capacity to talk about the things that they do, their behaviors. And so again, character and capacity. And it's important that we understand both because uh, we can misdiagnose an individual. We can misplace a person by putting them in a position that they are not qualified for. Uh, We can miss in our help of them because we don't understand them well. And so if you want to read the show notes, please go to episode 434. And again, it's titled People with Different Character and Capacity Issues. Now, you can listen to the podcast. You can watch the video. You can look through the show notes. This also has different embedded links in it. And so you can do a deeper dive if you want to. 
And then also have an infographic that, that teases out character and capacity, and so it will help you visually to look at this, because this is an important topic of discussion. Uh, also within a marriage, because a husband can expect a wife to be like him, or she can expect her husband to be like her and miss the uniqueness of each individual within the covenant and miss those dynamics that could be in play that could really enhance what the marriage could be before God and others. So people with different character and capacity issues, episode 434, I want to read the question and then I will unpack it. But before I do that, I do want to make an announcement. This is the fall of the year. This is the biggest time of the year uh, for us to uh, uh, prepare for what we're going to do the following year. And so this is the time of the year when people give to nonprofits more than any other time. And so we have a fall campaign, and one of our donors has graciously uh, said that he is willing to give a $50,000 gift if someone would match him. And so what does that mean to you? Well, here's my appeal to you. Will you pray and ask God to bring an individual or two or three or four uh, that would be willing to match him at $50,000? Now, here's a surprising thing that's really going to encourage you. I shared this with our uh, supporting community, people who support our ministry at a much lesser level, but an important level. And I talk to them every day because I do a video for them Monday through Friday. And in one of the videos, I was sharing with them that we have a donor who has the capacity uh, to donate $50,000, and he wants to do that in a matching campaign. So he's calling on someone else to match him. And hopefully there'll be multiple people that will step up and do that at that level. And so our community, they want to, one person said, well, I want to pray about that. Another person said, I want to fast about that. And so now we have several people in our community who are fasting for an entire week. Uh, some of them have picked a day, a week for the rest of the year to the end of the year, and they are praying and fasting. And I was sharing this with the donor. Uh, the husband and wife with them, and they were just just overwhelmed with joy and and, and kind of surprising shock. And the wife said, who does that? And she was saying that in a very optimistic and positive way. She was so encouraged that our community uh, is so behind what this ministry is doing, taking the practical message of Christ to every human on the planet. Uh, she was so encouraged by that, and, and so our community is fasting and praying that God would move the hearts of several people who uh, have the capacity to make that donation of $50,000, and I wanted to share that with you, hoping it would encourage you, not only encourage you, uh, but it would motivate you as well to pray and ask God to identify and draw those people uh, to this ministry, and they will be glad to give uh, at that level. Now, for the rest of us, if you want to make a donation to our ministry for a fall campaign, we would love for you to do that. Go to the donate link on our website or uh, however you wish to donate. You can contact our office and we can make those arrangements. Uh, but please pray that, that many people will give, some specifically at this matching level, and then others uh, where the normal people live uh, will also be able to give to their capacity as well. All right, so I want to talk about episode 434, people with different 
different character and capacity issues. Now, if you have a question that you would like to ask that you would want me to develop into a, a podcast, I would love for you to do that. I would love for you to just send in your question. You can hit the get in touch feature in the footer of our website and said, hey, Rick, would you talk about this? This is something that's important. If you're not a supporting member, that would be the avenue for you to ask us questions. Now, if you are a supporting member already at $10 or more a month, then you just go to your our private forum and you can ask the question there. But I want to give other people an opportunity who do not have the ability or do not wish to support our ministry, and you don't have to, and that's fine that you don't, uh, but we want to serve you anyway. And so if you have a question and, and you don't have the supporting option of our private community, then just hit the get in touch feature and we would love to consider your question. We want to interact with you and we want to engage you. Now, this is what the lady wrote. She said this, just curious if you might flesh out the differences between capacity, and we're talking about soul, versus, uh, I, I'm sorry, we're talking about behavior, versus character issues. That's the soul. I assume we would expect a response to God's truth in whatever capacity someone could respond. I wonder what you think about a person unable to process truth because of diminished soul issues. Thus, their behaviors reflect those compromised soul issues. It would help me to understand this problem a bit further. All right, so what is she, what is she asking? She's talking about the differences between soul and body issues, or the non-organic and the organic problems. That's another way of saying body and soul. She's calling soul problems character matters, and that's fine. Character, we'll, we'll go with that. And she's calling organic problems behavioral. And she wants to know about the interplay between body and soul, or the interplay between capacity and uh, character regarding responding to God's truth. For example, if a person is not changing and you talk to them, you're a parent, you're talking to your child, you're a counselor and you're talking to a counselee, you have to distinguish between their character and their capacity, who they are internally and what they're doing externally to know if it's possible or impossible for them to change. Now, I do have a graphic in this episode, 434, and I will, I will talk about it, uh, but I would encourage you to go to that episode, and you can look at that graphic. You can also print it off, and you can use it as a teaching tool. We have uh, over 130 infographics in our on our shareables page, and shareable means just that. We want you to share them, and you can use our graphics as teaching tools. But when I'm talking about character, here's some of the word cloud that would, would gather around the word character just to help you to think about this internal soul condition. Integrity, affection, morality, self-control, and then you'll see this list of fruit of the Spirit, goodness, gentleness, patience. Also motives, kindness, love, purity, passion, joy, faithfulness, honesty, maturity. Now you can 
add to that word cloud, but these are some of the ideas that would gather around character, integrity, honesty, maturity, self-control. Capacity is more on the organic side, the behavioral side, the physical side. And so when you think about capacity, here are some words that will be helpful. Intellect, uh, education, cognitive insight, analysis, understanding, stamina, that is important. Physicality, faint-hearted, a, a, a shriveling soul, thoughts, discernment. Uh, those are some of the things that would make up uh, the capacity. So, so just to give you some, some ideas. Now, let me give you three metaphors to, to help because we have to distinguish that people are different. And it is essential to understand that these word clouds between character and capacity will be different for every single person. And I know what the cultural mantra is, and I know what they are trying to do. They're trying to make everybody the same. The mantra is, is that we're all equal, and it's just not true. So let me give you three metaphors. Uh, the fastball. Everybody has a different speed on their fastball. And at some point, they will not be able to throw any faster than they are throwing at this, uh, at this moment. We all have God-imposed limitations, and everybody is all over the place when it comes to the actual speed that they could throw a fastball. A number of years ago, we were in Cincinnati, the Queen City, and uh, they have uh, at the Cincinnati Baseball Stadium, they have a Hall of Fame uh, for the Cincinnati Reds. And in this building, they, they have a, a, a place where you can go and you throw the ball uh, from the pitcher's mound. Uh, and it, 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 they have the gun on it, and so it tells you how fast you throw. Now, needless to say, that was embarrassing uh, because I, I got in there and I threw a lot of baseballs. And I, I don't remember the speed of my fastball, but let's just say uh, the major leagues, they are not going to come calling. They're just not going to come calling, no way, no how. Uh, because that fastball, actually, I wouldn't modify what I was doing as fastball. It was more like slow ball. And I was really embarrassed. I was embarrassed and impressed at the same time. I was embarrassed at my limitations. But I was Im impressed that anybody could throw a 95-hour fastball. I mean, I, that, that just blows my mind. It, it, it blew, it's always blown my mind, but it really blows my mind now when I try to throw a fastball, which was actually a slow ball. Everybody has a different speed. And when you're counseling someone, you have to know this. You have to be able to discern this because you can have expectations for a person and you can exasperate them because they just don't have the ability to do it. Another metaphor would be a high bar. A high bar. Now, this would be similar to the fastball analogy. We can only jump so high and some folks can jump higher than others. And then another metaphor would be buckets like containers. We all have a different size container which again implies discerning a person's capability is vital if you want to help them. Now, we have an online training program. We call it Mastermind Training. It's just a name. In one sense, it means nothing. It's just a way of identifying that we have a training program that's all online where we train people to do the work of biblical counseling. Now, this is interactive training because we have paid supervisors that interact with the student's homework. 
And one of the vital things that we do in our mastermind training course is to attempt to discern a student's character and capacity their internal soul capabilities, which is going to roll out into external behavioral capacities or capabilities. And so we have to, to serve them well, we have to do this. As much as we can discern, as God gives us the illumination to be able to have insight into this person's soul, their mind, their heart, to know who they are internally, and so that we can have the right proper expectations on them externally, their capacity or their behaviors. Now, one of the reasons that we do this is because we're trying to we're trying to guard from mismatches. Mismatches, what I mean by that is placing a future counselor, our student who becomes a future counselor, we want to guard against placing them in counseling sessions when they are not qualified to help that person. That's a mismatch. And they end up hurting a counselee because they are not able to counsel at that, le- at that level. Now, you could say at that level at this time. It could be that the person does have a bigger bucket They can jump higher over the bar. They can throw the ball faster eventually as they get their reps in. But at this point, they're not able to do it because this is what their current capacity is. Now, they may be capped out, and this is all their capacity will ever be. And then there could be that they can continue to mature through many reps by doing the work of counseling, by getting in that pitchers station and throwing that ball repeatedly and getting in the weight room and doing all the things that you need to do to increase your fastball. And so we don't want to create mismatches by misplacing a future, a student who becomes a future counselor. And now they're out over their skis, so to speak, and they're not able to help this counselee, ultimately possibly hurting the counselee. And this is a dangerous thing. And it happens all the time in biblical counseling, probably every day. And that is sad. But this is something that we try uh, to guard against. And so it's important that we understand as much as we can. We have limited understanding. We're not omniscient. But we want to at least recognize that this is a potential problem and recognize that we have a responsibility to do all that we can do And that's why this episode is so important. Whether you are a trainer, like our organization is, where we train people in the skill of discipleship, whether you're a parent, a counselor, a good friend, it doesn't matter where you are in this concept. We all have a responsibility of loving each other well, and part of loving each other well is understanding each other well and knowing that each person is different. Now, one of the texts that communicates this differentiation between people is 1 Thessalonians 5.14. It it is a staple text in our ministry. Paul says, and we urge you, uh, there's an intensification there, we urge you, brothers, Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, 
and then he ties a bow around those three demos and says, be patient with them all. And so you have three demographics of people. You have the idle, you have the faint-hearted, and then you have the weak. And he tells you to do three different things, something different for each one of them because they're three different demographics. And so that's why it's important to understand the person who is before you. And so for the idle person, he says, you need to admonish them. An illustration of this would be the lazy person who won't get off his rear end to do things that he can do and should do. Let's say that you have a a lazy teenager, a lazy spouse. It's not that they have a diminished capacity, behavior, physicality. They can do whatever it is that you want them to do, but they won't do what you're asking them to do. They are lazy. And Paul says you admonish the idol. And so you look at them and you say, well, is this a, an organic problem? No, he can get off the couch. He's not crippled. Is this a capacity problem? He doesn't have the intellect to understand He's not able to process the sequencing that's needed to do the things that you need to do, like walk outside, get the trash can, take it out front so the, uh, the, the garbage, the sanitation people can come and pick it up on Tuesday. He can't do that because mentally it just doesn't connect with him. Well, here's the thing, is that if there is a diminished a soul problem, like say intellect, there's retardation of some sort, let's say, Well, then forcing him or trying to manipulate him or gaslighting him, that is really a precarious and dangerous thing to do because you're asking him to jump a bar that he cannot jump. Like, for the sake of this illustration, he legitimately can't do it, and that's where we want to be careful. But that's where discernment comes in because there are some things that are repentable and there are some things that aren't repentable. And if we're trying to get a person to repent of something that they really can't repent of, uh, then we're complicating the situation. And that's what this lady is asking. Ultimately, how do you distinguish between these two things? Because if they can't respond to God's truth for a legitimate uh, reason, we want to make sure that we're not forcing something on them and then creating even more complications that what's already pre-existing. But in this person in this case in 1 Thessalonians 5:14, Paul is saying that you have an idle person, a lazy person, a slothful person, you warn them, you admonish them because this is this is a repentable offense. They can repent. The lazy person can get off their rear end and you want to Uh, admonish them and motivate them. And so you assess the situation and you do so as Paul is saying. And then the third demographic, I'll skip the second one for now, but the third demographic, he says, help the weak. And generally this is understood as a person that has a, a, a physical limitation, but it could be other types of limitations, like a financial limitation, that they're not able to be able to buy enough food or or keep the heat on in the winter or whatever it may be. So there could be multiple kinds, but, but they are in a diminished, weakened state to where they are not capable at this point. And it could be they're not capable at all. It could be a physical limitation that they have hit their ceiling. And I know several people 
like this. I have several close friends who have legitimate, organic, physical limitations, and this is their capacity. And at this juncture in their life, it appears that it will not increase at all ever that they are at the ceiling, and so they are in a weakened state. And then you have other people that are in a temporary weakened state, and I use the illustration of financial limitations, that this is just where they are now. And I have been in that weakened state before, picking up aluminum cans on the side of the road uh, to be able to gain a few quarters, nickels, and dimes to buy a sandwich, and that went on for a long time. And I lived in a weakened state for a little more than four years. And so but I'm not that way now. And having people to come along and help not to ensconce me in my limitation, and that's one of the dangers that we see in our culture. There are people who are legitimately in a weakened state, and we ensconce them. We don't help. We further keep them limited by the way that we engage them, and that is a huge problem. But Paul is saying that when you come across someone like that, you want to help the weak, but you're discerning the situation. What's going on in this, this, what does this weakened state mean? Now, if it's a physical, organic problem, as I was illustrating, and they have capped out, well, that the help there looks like something specific. And then if it's a temporary weakened position to where they can change, let's say this weakened position is tied to admonish the idol, just to tie those two together, let's say that their, their idleness is creating their weakened state. Well, now you want to help them. You don't want them to starve to death, but you also want to admonish them as well. And so there's some interplay going on between these two demos. And then the, the, the middle group, I saved it for last, but that's the faint-hearted. Now, the literal meaning of that is small soul. And there's several ways that you can go here. Uh, it can be, uh, the, the big idea here is a person with a shrinking soul or a shriveling soul. Uh, pe- people that are moving toward the center. Uh, transgressors, the idol, they're moving out to the periphery and they're crossing lines of transgression and they're crossing lines into sin. The faint-hearted person is a diminishing effect. It's a shriveling effect. And there can be many reasons for this. The King James calls it feeble-minded, probably not exactly getting at uh, what the word actually means. Uh, But small soul means a a puny psyche. The word psyche means soul. And and so a puny psyche. And so you have to ask the question, why do they have a, a small soul? Is it because they're given to worry and anxiety? fear and fretting. There are some people who, uh, for reasons, and I'll talk about that in just a moment, but for reasons that they are like that, and their soul just shrivels, but yet it's not, a, a, it's not that they can't change. And so you want to be careful to help them to fill out their capacity, their faint-heartedness, because it can mature. And then there are other people that just have a diminished soul, and you want to discern that as well because you don't want to place expectations on them that they can't uh, possibly overcome. And so as you can see, that there is huge discernment here. And this is why it is so important that biblical counselors 
uh, have the ability, the skill set, the discernment, the wisdom, the maturity, the patience, the grace uh, to be able to interact with these people. And that's why biblical counseling should be a special category of people who are qualified, but unfortunately, and this would be another podcast, but unfortunately, we have flattened out biblical counseling so much and included so many people within that demo, and many of them aren't, they don't have the ability to see and discern these things, and that's where you create, we have all these mismatches, as I was talking about earlier. And so we have uh, different, internal, diverse capacities. Now, if you have more than one child, you know this. I mean, one child may be faint-hearted. They tend to fear, and so they have that shriveling up effect. We have a child like that who has a predisposition to fear, and so they can, they can have that faint-hearted uh, thing going on where they are, they are just becoming diminutive. Uh, in their soul capacity. And then you have another child who may have, let's say, a tougher conscience to where uh, they're not internalizers and they're, they're not that introspective to where they're shriveling up inside. Um, that's another type of child. You can have a third child who has a faster mental processor, mental speed. They can really just get things quickly and, and process you can have a fourth child that's always more on the move, active, come out of the womb, walking upright. Those are just four illustrations of four different children in the same family. And you could list, if you, if you spent time thinking about it, you could list a hundred uh, illustrations of different children. And you can use your own if you have more than one. But what you do know is they are different. And you say, well, how in the world? They came from the same person. Well, they came from the same person, but there is so much variety. I mean, having babies is not a clone factory. Uh, and so I don't understand why there would be confusion as to why, to why children would be different because we're not creating clones. We're creating humans made in the image of God. And, and God has given us diversity and so many different types of people. It's a beautiful thing. And so you have four of those beautiful things. Well, there are going to be four different beautiful things. And so that's not a mystery. It should not be a mystery at all. But we want to make sure that we are parenting them and discerning them and understanding them and training them in the unique way that they should go so that we're not kind of manhandling them and making them go in a way that, that the way that they are, it's just not that way. And so let me move on. I, I want to give you four different people types as I continue to tease this out, hopefully to bring more clarity to it. And so four different people types. One, you can have a person with an organic problem. Let's say that you have an individual has, who has a legitimate cognitive impairment that diminishes their ability to think and process and respond like the average person. Now, you don't want to automatically equate their organic limitation with an inability to respond from a character perspective. And so you say well, they have a cognitive impairment, but they also have a morality. And so you want to be careful that you don't give them a pass when, though they have a cognitive impairment from a character perspective, so organically, they're like this, but spiritually or their soul, they can respond with a morality. 
And so one people type is a person with a legitimate organic problem. And then you can have another person, a second people type, and and that is a person with a sin problem. Let's say that an individual is living in habitual sin. Well, you know that if they're living in a habitual sin behaviorally, the idle person, for example, to use Paul's illustration in 1 Thessalonians 5, well, if they continue to live in habitual sin, they're going to dull their inner capacities. Specifically, they're going to dull their conscience, and you have to know that. Uh, you could say that this person is dumb and they don't perceive these spiritual, these obvious spiritual things. Well, are they really dumb, or is it because that they have been sinning for so long they have habituated themselves and and their conscience has gone from from dull from sensitive to dull to hard. And eventually, as we read in 2 Timothy 4, 2, they sear their conscience like with a hot iron. And so one people type is a person with an organic, legitimate, organic problem. A second people type is a person with a sin problem, but their sin problem does not mean that they're dumb internally, that they can't respond. But what's really going on is they are hardening their conscience And that's why you see this desensitizing of what's going on inside, that it's not because of some God-given spiritual limitation. They're doing it to themselves, self-sabotaging their own souls. And then a third people type would be an unregenerate person. Well, this person has no power to change. He's natural, Adamic, unable lost in his futile mind. God is a warring army against him. He resists the proud, raining down his wrath on him as he does with any person who presses the truth out of their lives. Long-term, sustained, effectual change is spirit-empowered, and the light's off with him or her. And so the unregenerate person can't change, and so that is a a true legitimate soul problem, there's no light on, there's no energy, there's no power, there's no spirit. And so you have one people type, legitimate organic problem. Another people type, a person in habituated sin who is self-sabotaging themselves internally. The unregenerate person, well, they they can't change in in a sustained way. They can turn over new leaves, And then the fourth person is most Christians, the average person. Uh, They have no overpowering organic problem. They're not living in habituated sin. And, of course, they're not unregenerate because they're Christians. And so there are four different types of people groups to consider when you think about the differences between body and soul. Let me wrap up by giving you five helpful tips uh, in this area. When dealing with tip number one, when dealing with a person, you want to ask macro questions and micro questions. You want to zero in and then you want to expand your aperture out. For example, a wife comes in and she says her husband does not communicate. As you look at it in a micro way, he does not communicate. That's what she's saying. But as you widen the aperture and ask the macro question, it's like, Okay, so he doesn't talk ever? Well, he's a universal mute? No, what you'll find out, he does talk in the bar. He does talk at work. <laughs> he, he does talk in his video games, his fantasy football. Oh, 
Well, on the macro, the guy is a chatty Kathy. On the micro, he won't chat with Kathy. And so when dealing with a person, you want to ask macro questions and micro questions so that you can get a full understanding of what's going on. Another illustration of that is a rebellious child. Is he rebellious everywhere? No, he's actually quite compliant at school. Oh, well, in the macro, then he has the ability. So both the husband and the child in this situation, this is a repentable thing. This is not some kind of organic limitation. And so tip number one, when dealing with a person, ask macro and micro questions. Number two, are they literally unable to respond biblically? Are, are they literally, legitimately unable to respond? I, I met a child a number of years ago that has failure to thrive, meaning that's the euphemism but the, the, uh, uh, of the medical condition. They can't grow. And so this kid was 18 years old and in a bassinet. Uh, he was a little bit bigger than a baby, but he can't grow. And so he legitimately, failure to thrive, he legitimately cannot grow. So tip number two, are they literally unable to respond biblically? Number three, there will be an interplay between organic and non-organic problems. And so you'll have to discern this, and it will always be different for each person. And so you want to think about that interplay and ask God to give you insight and maybe maybe what I'm sharing here will be helpful. So number three, there will be interplay between organic and non-organic problems. Number four, each person is different according to their shaping influences. Now, there are four big general categories of shaping influences. There's the Adamic, born in Adam. There are conditions, things that have happened to them throughout their lives. There are specific people like fathers and mothers and siblings and teachers that have shaped them. Uh, there, there are, I'm sorry, there's five general categories. There's Adamic, there's conditions, there's people. Uh, uh, go back to conditions. There's Adamic and there's conditions. Conditions means how they are. That's what I meant by conditions. How they are. A, a, we all are different. I, I was talking earlier about the child who tends to have a shriveling soul, the small soul, diminutive person. That's a predisposition. That is a condition. We have the person who is uh, walking upright from his mother's womb. That is a condition. Well, he's going to be different than the next person. And so there's Adamic shaping influences. There's conditions. There's people, parents, siblings, uh, other people. And then there's situations. Situations, number four, that's things that have happened to them. And then, of course, number five is that they're personal choices, the decisions that they have made. I have made bad and good choices that have shaped me to be who I am today. And so each person is different according to their shaping influences. Number five, ask for third-party insight. Nobody is omniscient. Only God knows all things, and it would prove wise to gain the opinions and perspectives of others who have the insight to be able to speak into this. This is episode 434, People with Different 
character and capacity issues responding to a question from a lady who wanted to know how to distinguish, to tease out, to look at this. I trust that this has been helpful for you. If you have a question and you're not a supporting member, praise God for you. You can write in and ask your question and say, hey, would you interact with this? Love to consider that. If you are a supporting member, please jump on our private forums. That's our little space just for you and us uh, to interact with you and to honor you for uh, partnering with us and to help us to do what we do. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.